for this is the message Bible. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. What's it talking about is saying that we will all die once physically. Our bodies will rot away, but our spirit, our soul does not have to because we can have a resurrection life now. And then out of that grave when we die, because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be a resurrection on that day when we go to heaven, promotion to heaven and enjoy the pleasures of that place. And I'm a firm believer in that. Jesus says, come on, come on. He's a resurrection and a life for a reason. Um. And there can be times when we think maybe we've reached the limit. We've reached the limit. I remember as a young man, um, as an 11-year-old this time, it wasn't nine, like on Friday, it was 11, and I'd just moved into Gladstone. I'd moved a year earlier, and I joined up because I was involved in, you know, ever heard of those things called Boy Scouts, you know, Boy Scouts. And so I joined the Gladstone branch of the Boy Scouts. And you know, I had not long been in the scouting group in Gladstone, and they, they went for a little adventure with all the, you know, they organized um, a, a swim out at, I think, the Boyne Valley somewhere in a, in a creek, the Boyne River itself, in the part where it's not so wide. It's about probably eight meters wide. And, and I have to tell you, there's a boy of 11, and I grew up in Gympie, and there was no reason for me to learn to swim. Um, and so I never did learn to swim. And when I got to Gladstone, I found that I'm on the seaside now. I've got to learn to swim. But at the age of 11, I couldn't swim. And so all, all the other young men are in the water enjoying and jumping around. And I'm sitting on the bank of, this, of, the, of the river and I'm missing out. And I'm feeling a little bit conspicuous because I'm not swimming and everybody else is. And so I thought, you know what, my um, sense of um, feeling a little bit conspicuous and awkward and maybe a little bit um, shameful about I couldn't swim... Um, it was overcome by a stupid thing called um, risk and a desire. I've got to prove myself and I've got to prove that I can do something. And so, you know, from the steep part of the bank, I jumped in and straight away I thought this was not a good idea. <laughs> I couldn't touch the bottom and I thrashed around hoping no one could see me. And, and just like about four meters out was a uh, tire tube, you know, the old black tire tubes. And I thought, if only I could make that and I'll get to that and I'll just smile as if nothing has happened. But, you know, I went down and I came up and I went down. And, you know, I, I, and I thought, you know, is, this is just too far. And for, for a moment there I thought, is this how life ends? Is this how life ends? My, am I just, this is just too far. How far is too far? Too far is never too far in God's eyes. But I thought I'd, I'd push myself stupid. I thought, what have you done? You're not only going to find that they can't, you, they can't swim, but they're going to have to pick your body off, off the bottom. You're going to drown. But there's, thankfully, somehow to this day, I don't know how I made it, but somehow maybe the tube kind of um, came to me or I got to the tube eventually and I grabbed that tube, gasped for breath, and I thought... I made it. And I act as if nothing happened. <laughs> as if to say to everybody there, see, I can swim. And you know what? I don't think too many people saw it. And I've never told that story, but you just, because I was too embarrassed, I couldn't swim. But now you know. Don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> How far is too far? Well, I thought that day that it was all too far. And sometimes we can think that, uh, you know, it's all too far. It's all too much. I can't do it. I'm just glad that Peter hung on. I'm just glad that Peter, um, he mightn't have realized it, but, you know, it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. And, you know, this mightn't be a message for you today as much as for someone you know. 
And you need to go and tell them that there's a Sunday. You need to go and say to them, there's a day of resurrection. There's a day of hope. Here's the other thing I want to share with you this morning. The last thing I want to share with you, and it's this. Why did the angel, or why even did God cause the angel to call Peter's name? Uh, Because going back is never a good option. Going back is never a good option, folks. If you look at this story, uh, Peter, uh, Paul says to this um, church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 3.13, one thing I do, he says, I forget those things which are behind me which are, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, I, I don't want to go back. I want to go forward, Paul said to the church at Philippi. He says, come on, guys. And after P- Jesus dies... We know that Peter goes back to the familiar. He goes back to that which he feels secure. And often we'll go back to things we feel secure in. Things that kind of, ah, oh, this is easy. But, it's, but you know, there's sometimes no, there's, no, um, um, there's no need to be accountable in those areas. There's no need to, uh, you don't feel any pressure. And, and, and that might be good. But the, re- the reality is you'd never go, you, you're just stagnant and just kind of it's like you're treading water. And, and treading water is really going backwards, not forwards. We, God wants us to go forwards. And so we see those places we go back to. It's just something to do until we find out what we should really do. And, you know, it's got to be careful if we go back to that which we used to do. We find that maybe then the back door, we get out of it and we just keep on slipping down the slippery slope. And God doesn't want us to go there. He doesn't want us to go back to those places that, oh, this is just easy. There's no accountability. Uh, it's, it's a place where uh, we return to the familiar. And that's what Peter done. He returned to the place of fishing. And we can do the same. Uh, we can sometimes go back to that which we, it, it, we should never go back to. Um, we don't want to, you know, and it's a place where there's no tricky questions. It's a, a maybe a safe emotional place. It's a place of no commitment, no demands on us. But, it's this, but the familiar place often is the second best place. And we don't need to go back there. There's an example of Peter's story that John wrote about in John chapter 21, verse 7. You'll, you'll recognize the story. Let me relate it to you. It's a pretty powerful story. What happened was is that, of course, Peter said to the disciples, well, you know, this is before, this is, um, this is, um, this is Saturday night. So last night, two, nearly 2,000 years ago, Peter said, I'm going fishing. It was Saturday afternoon, actually. And there's a whole bunch of disciples said, because Peter was a leader. And a whole bunch of disciples said, yeah, I'm going, let's go, let's go fishing. So they went fishing, and it says they fished all night, and they caught what? Nothing. Peter, sh- remember when he came to God? He'd caught nothing all night. He, he should have got the message, without God, you can catch nothing. <laughs> anyway, he's, all night they caught nothing, and it's early morning, the sun is rising. Um, Mary and, and the two Marys and Shalom are at the tomb, and they're getting the message from the angel, and... Uh, or something like that was happening. And so it's Sunday morning, and we see that uh, what happened was is that they're out there fishing, and Jesus walks along the beach. He's a resurrected form. And he yells out to them, hey, have you caught any fish? I reckon Jesus had this big smirk on his face. He knew they didn't catch anything. He was just maybe having a bit of fun with them, you know. Did you catch anything, you guys? And they'll probably say, no, we haven't caught anything. And he says, well, they didn't recognize Jesus at this stage. And he says, well, throw the net on the other side. And Peter turns around and says, I've just got a good idea. Let's throw it on the other side. (laughs) And so they throw it on the other side. And in John's Gospel, chapter 21, it says that they couldn't, the net couldn't contain the fish that they were trying to pull in. And John, 
John himself, who wrote this, pipes up and says, I think it's Jesus. They're probably 50 meters from the beach or maybe 100 meters. I think it's Jesus. They didn't have binoculars. So I think it's Jesus. And so Peter, as soon as he hears, John, what did you say? I think it's Jesus. Couldn't be. Couldn't be. Could it be Jesus? And so, so, and so Peter, what does Peter do? This is the crazy thing. I've never worked it out until this morning when I had this little revelation. And Peter puts on his outer garments and he jumps in the water and swims the 100 meters. Who puts on your outer garments to go for a swim? Have you ever tried to work that one out? Have you ever read that and think, just too hard? I don't want to think about that. But when you think about it, what was Peter honestly doing? Folks, what he was saying, I don't know about you guys in the boat, but I, if that's Jesus, I'm taking everything with me and I'm out of here. You can keep fishing. I'm going to go and serve my Christ. You only ever take stuff with you when you want to, that's because you want to leave the past behind. <laughs> so he puts his out of garment. He probably just had a little, um, um, I was going to say turban. That's not what you wear. It's a, <laughs> it's a um, loincloth. Similar thing, you just wear it in different spots. So he put a loin, he probably just had a loincloth on. And he puts his out of garment, jumps in the water, swims, gets to the beach. And now we can see it's Jesus. Jesus actually had a breakfast already. Jesus didn't need the fish. He already had a couple fish on the fire. As if the much to say, I don't even need your fish. I just need you, Peter. And Peter and Jesus stand there. The other guys, thankfully, all the other disciples are rowing, you know, bringing this net with them. And Peter and Jesus had this conversation. Do you love me, Peter? He says, of course, I love you. Feed my sheep. And three times Jesus asked him the question. And three times Peter says, you know, I love you. Three times he denied. You know the connection. Three times he's reinstated by Jesus. Peter becomes one of the most powerful powerful speakers amongst the disciples, goes on to, uh, to plant churches and speak, the, speak the, the good news of Christ, is martyred for Christ. They say he, he couldn't be hung on a cross the normal way as Christ. He said, hang me upside down and kill me because I don't want to, I'm not worthy to be killed the same way that Jesus was killed. What an amazing man. You know what? And we see, and we see the reason is that because Jesus, uh, God was calling his name because going back is never a good option, folks. And it's still not a good option today. We don't need to go back to the fishing. We don't need to go back to the old lifestyles. The very reason Jesus came, his resurrection was not only for us, but it was for us to mimic and follow his example because there's always a new day. And if you feel like it's a Friday today, I want to tell you, hang on, because there's a Sunday coming along. There's a Sunday coming along. The sun will rise and so can you. Too far is never too far with God. Going back is never a good option. Can I have the musicians back this morning? On this Resurrection Sunday, I think the resurrection is a great metaphor. It's a great, it's a great kind of image of, of life for us and how we uh, can live uh, Peter, Jesus got up off the canvas to fight again. Peter got up off the canvas to fight again. The disciples, quite literally, all of them got up off the campus to fight again. Um, they didn't stay down. Lauren Parker will get up off the campus to, to at least compete in the Paralympics of the Gold Coast in several days' time. What about you?
What about you? Maybe you're here today and you've actually never responded to the Lord Jesus Christ. Never actually made him your Lord and Savior, personal Lord and Savior. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to do that in a moment. But you know, church, what we're going to do and share together is we're going to share communion together just for a moment. We're going to take the opportunity, and I just invite those who are coming to um, distribute the emblems to come and do that now, please. That would be brilliant. I think one of the most powerful parts of partaking of communion is to remember, is to remember what Christ has done for us. It's to remember the reality, not just of his death and his excruciating pain, both physically and emotionally tormented, but it's also coming to the point of remembering the reality that he rose again. And if you've ever thought about it, there was a number of signs for Mary. There was a number of signs. I never used this thing on my hip, did I? I just use this one. I just take it off and keep on using it. There was a number of signs. You know, as they came to the tomb that morning, Mary and Magdalene, Mary, mother of James and Shalom, as they, the angel said, look in here, the tomb's empty. You know what? It says in other gospels and other accounts of this story, the resurrection of Jesus, as they looked into the tomb, it actually says the grave clothes of Jesus were still on the slab of stone where Jesus had laid. Have you ever thought, why would he do that? If someone had stole the body, because there was a rumor, there was a suggestion um, that the Pharisees continued to sow, and, and it is still people believe this today, that someone come into the tomb, rolled the stone away, and stole the body of Jesus. Why would you unwrap the body of a dead man, leave the grave clothes folded as if he'd got, just got up out of them, and just taken a naked body that would been bloodied and whipped and beaten to a pulp? Why would you do that? Why would you leave the grave? You know, the grave clothes were an incredible, incredible testimony of Jesus' resurrection. And the other thing about the resurrection is Jesus didn't need to roll away the stone to get out of the, you know this, out of the, out of the tomb. He needed the stone because Jesus could walk through walls. He could come up out of grave clothes and just, you know, uh, it, it was proven later on as he visited the disciples that he could walk through walls and in his resurrected form. So he didn't need to, he could just walk through that massive stone and that tomb and walked out of there. But the stone was rolled away and you know why. It's not so that he could get out, it's so that we could get in and see the grave clothes. So that we could see the reality of the, he's, he is not here, he is risen. My prayer would be that he would rise in your life and that you'll allow yourself the legacy of drawing near to him and let yourself rise with him. We can't do it in our own strength, we need him. And as the disciples, before Jesus actually was crucified, came around a table, we call it the Last Supper. Uh, they might have called it that. We call it, um, the element of that was communion. Uh, there's a whole lot of names. But the, the point is, is that Jesus took this, took this bread and he says, you know what this bread represents? They, they didn't quite catch it at the time because they didn't know how Jesus was going to die. But he says, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. This bread represents my body that was broken for you. And I want you to take it, because he had a big loaf, and he just pulled it apart, and he 
well, in actual fact, he probably passed it around. And, and he gave a bit, and they all took a little bit. And he says, I want you to take, eat, eat this in remembrance of me. Because this is my body, which is broken for you. No one's ever broken their body for me. No one's ever died and their body been in excruciating pain for me. Maybe my wife, when she gave birth to three children, that was pretty close. But, you know, reality is, is that Jesus did it so much more for us. Because it was not just a natural thing. There was something else happening that his blood was shed at that moment. And in the blood of Christ, uh, was, as it was shed, the reality is, is that it's powerful because his shed blood means that we don't have to shed ours. We don't have to take the penalty for, what Jesus, uh, for our sin. Jesus has done it already. And then, uh, then, uh, then he took the cup. He took this big cup and they would have had some wine in there. Ours is grape juice this morning. And as they took that cup, he, he says, this is a cup of the new covenant, or other words, a new promise. And the promise is really simple. The promise of a new commandment, of a new hope, of a new future, because it represents my, as I said, my blood. Take, eat, and drink in remembrance of what I've done for you. And they all took that bread, and they took a little bit, and they all took that sip of the cup, and they shared it together, and they passed it around. And as they passed it around, the full understanding of, of what was about to unfold in the next 24 hours hadn't really hit them. But I'm sure the disciples understood because they continued to commemorate and, and obviously um, take partake of communion in the Last Supper. For, for Right up to this day, we're still doing it today. So could you appreciate today that let's just join with those disciples this morning, and let's just remember and let's partake today. If you have your cup and bread, would you stand with me for a moment today? Stretch your legs in, in honor of Jesus Christ. Whenever a soldier dies, an Australian soldier dies, in honor of him, they stand and they commemorate him and they honor him for his sacrifice that he gave. How much more today as we stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will we honor and commemorate him and be thankful. I'll just wait till everybody has, everybody's right. I hope everybody has a bread and uh, drink this morning. But let's just take, take, eat, and take drink in remembrance of what Christ done for us. Father, as we are about to do this, we're thankful for the incredible sacrifice of life that you gave for us, your life for ours, are we just grateful, Lord, that in that life that you rose to victory out of the ashes of death to resurrection. And so we can too as we partake in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink this morning. Come on, let's just sing that song for a moment. You can continue to partake. You don't have to sing it if you're still thinking, meditating, praying. But just... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 